In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. We also offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. As spring makes its way into summer, stay cool in a short-sleeve, moisture-wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tecovis's ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. And don't go gently, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Journey Within podcast. Well, I've got a special one, and I think a lot of the listeners on here will know exactly who I'm going to be talking with here because they've got a fairly large podcast as well. I've got uh, James Zanstra from the Fair Chase podcast, and I guess... We're going to get into it. It's not just a Fair Chase podcast anymore, expanding. Um, so looking forward to hearing that. How are you doing, James? Good. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. So excited to have you on. I've been a fellow uh, Michigander. It's been kind of fun watching you guys grow this over the last couple of years. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's uh, a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of good people coming out of Michigan. So yep. It's, uh, yeah. Yep. Now, are, are you from originally the Grand Rapids area, or where are you from in Michigan? Yeah. I grew I was born here, um, moved around a little bit as a kid. My dad's a pastor, and so we, you know, moved around a little bit. Um, but for most of my life, I've been in, in West Michigan. Okay. Uh, I have to admit, with the last name like that, I expected the Holland area. Yeah, that's right. But you have to have a straw or a van or something like that in your name to really make it in this town. So. Yeah. That's where I was I was expecting to say, <laughs> well, we're originally from Holland, and I moved to Grand Rapids. Yeah. But, okay, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. So... How, I mean, obviously probably grew up hunting, right? Yeah. Yeah. I grew up, um, yeah. Going to deer campus, the guys and deer hunting my entire life, basically wanting to hunt all the time since I was young, young. Yeah. That's it. And what, like, give us, give us the background. What was it? What was it like for you? Um, when you were going through school, college, what what made you decide to go on the on this path of actually trying to make the outdoor industry work? Oh yeah, I I mean I hunted a lot as a kid. I always dreamed about doing you know these crazy hunts and um, I'd read the magazines and stuff as a kid and never thought I'd actually do them. But grew up, went to college, um, hunted kind of a lot of times just to get like free food. My uh, actually one of our, our co-hosts, Jared. Gortzman and I uh, kind of grew up together doing that. Um, 
went away to law school and I could hunt. There's a couple of years there where I hunted just a few times a year, which is tough. And when I finally moved back to Michigan, I was like, man, this is like, I want to do this all the time. You know, I just want to keep all the time that I missed, I felt, you know. Um, and so I, I didn't plan, we didn't plan on starting social media or, or, or anything with podcasts. Um, but my brother is, is kind of a marketing guy. And he's like, Hey, you, you need to, you need to start something. You, 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 see, you and Jared, you know, there's, there's, there's audiences that would love to see what you do. It's like, ah, I don't, I don't really know if that's true. He's like, well, just do me a favor. Like any pictures, we'll post some and we'll just see what happens. And uh-huh. of course he was behind the scenes growing the thing. And, uh, eventually we got to a point where he's like, all right, well, you're, you're big enough now. You need to do a podcast. And I thought there's, there's absolutely no way I'll do that. Like I've got nothing to say, you know, I've never done it before. Like who, no one knows who I am. Why would anybody want to listen to it? So yeah, this kind of went back and forth for probably six, nine months, I think. Um, and finally I'm like, all right, I'll do it. But we want, I want to do it like in a controlled situation where if it doesn't work, we boot the audio. And he's like, Oh no, no. We'll edit it. You don't have to worry if you mess up. Uh-huh. No problem at all. And uh, we started, we rented out a studio, actually downtown Grand Rapids, and uh, went there a few times. And like, okay, I kind of like to do this, get to meet people and ask the questions that you wanted to know about. And somehow it's like been, what, five, six years later, and we're still doing it. So and you saw really fun. Same studio? No, we uh, we got our own stuff. Okay, we, uh, we do our own thing. But yeah, the studio is like more of a, like, a, you don't have to fully commit, you just you know, rent some time at the studio. Mm-hmm. And that way it's like, I did, I did again. Cause like from the beginning, I just wasn't planning or really even thinking of doing this was, this was just kind of for fun, you know? Now has it, what were you doing at the time when you started this for in your professional life? Yeah. Um, and I was, and still am, um, doing a few things. So I'll, I, uh, I'm in sales kind of for a consulting company out of uh, New York city. Okay. And uh, at night, at night I'll teach, um, in local, like there's two local universities here that I'll, um, I'm a professor at. Oh, cool. Which is one grand yeah. alley. Uh, no, it's actually Calvin college, my alma mater okay. Calvin university now and the cornerstone. So it's like business law. I'm doing a, um, kind of uh, public policy course just uh yeah a couple of man of courses here and i feel like mba or, or undergrad students oh that's awesome yep my daughter's gone to a basketball camp at both so oh cool yep. yeah yeah yep oh, that's awesome so where did the where did when you were naming it what made you come up with the fair chase well this is an interesting question because we actually, for most of our time, have not been the fair chase. We we started out as the boga hunting boga. Okay. Uh, and the idea, and honestly, again, because we didn't really plan on this becoming a thing, we would. My wife would go do yoga, uh, and I would always be like, "All right, well, I'm going to go in the backyard and shoot my boga." You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And do my boga, and then like as a joke, and so we just did it as a joke, and we started to grow, and it's like, oh, well, we should. And we do more things than just bow hunting. We should probably, you know, I guess we should probably have the appropriate name. So we went back and forth with a bunch of different ideas. And this was kind of the consensus one. Um, and so it's it's fitting. I mean, it's it's a important topic and thing to think about for hunting. Like, what is fair chase? Fair chase is driven like 
you know, since like the, the origin, like the origins of like the Boone and Crockett Club, you know, um, yep. where like people have been trying to figure out what is fair chase, how do we do this well, and it opens up a lot of conversations that way. For sure, for sure. So who's on? Uh, let's go over the team members. Who's on? Who's on the fair chase team? Yeah. So um, I mostly I do most of the uh, like the social media stuff, uh, but. I share kind of duties in that with uh, Jared Gortzma and uh, now Joe, Joe Griffin as well. Wow. So us three are kind of in front of the camera. And we've got one other guy, my brother, Tom, uh, who runs all the back end stuff, um, like a lot of the, kind of the marketing strategies, uh, podcast editing, that kind of thing. And so just a small little team here that um, it's been fun. So, And we've got one guy that we bring in for um, video and photo that's semi-local to um, Jordan, who we just had on our podcast uh, last week. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, he's kind of in and out as we as we meet him. But, um, yeah, Tom, me, Jared, and Joe. On the podcast side, do you know offhand how many podcasts you guys have recorded? You know, I have – I would – think at least 200 i've never i'll say this and i don't know if this is a good thing to say or not i've never listened to one of my podcasts that i've led um and i don't even know how i'm trying to look right now i have no idea a lot i guess uh like years worth uh-huh. so it feels like a lot i like to do it but it's uh yeah I, I don't even i don't pay attention so much to those things do you like guys this. and you guys drop one every week yeah, yeah, yep, every week. Yep, that's the same. Same the same that we try to do over here as well. And it's funny that you said you've never listened to one of your own podcasts. I've never listened to one of my own podcasts after it's been edited either. It can't be good. It can't help me. I figured. I don't know. I'm either going to be extremely uh, like self conscious, or I'm going to be like full of myself, and I can't have either one of those. I'm staying in the middle between those two. You know. So I like on the on the TV side. I don't like how I sound like it is like in your Same. head, like in your head, I sound a certain way. And then on TV, I'm like, what the heck is this guy? So I know like, this the, second, nerd. Yeah. Yeah, the second I listen to myself on a podcast, I'm going to be like, what is this? Why am I talking exactly. like that? <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. You think, I think I always sound like I've got a deep bass voice yeah, yeah. You know? and then I hear it and I sound like I'm talking like yeah. that. So it's like, uh, I don't, I don't need to, I don't need to know that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, so I haven't listened to a single one of the podcasts that I do. I, I just get um, feedback from everybody on the team, obviously, and then all the the listeners and so forth, what they like, what they don't like, um, people that they like that I bring on, um, topics and, and so forth like that. Yeah. On the, on the video TV side, um, there are a lot of the videos I don't watch either because I've Oh yeah, it's different <laughs> now. Now that you guys have started doing this, you'll catch it too. You've been there in the field, right? So you you have yep. this memory and experience of what it was. That's right. not necessarily how it is when it's edited and done. Like and the like, I've had a lot to where there's a lot of adversity early in a hunt or during it, especially on mountain hunts, to where you're like, man, we just have yep. three grueling days: two of hiking, one of rain and fogged in the tent. And in the show, it shows that in about six seconds. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. wait, you're like, wait a second. How I will remember this hunt for the rest of my life is just the beating up of three days getting to it. And we briefly cruised over that in the video because 
how much can you show of a guy sweating to death climbing a mountain with a heavy pack on or laying in his tent? Yeah. Right? You can just show a hot second. Yeah. So there are lots of times like that that it takes a lot to film it and then watch the edit. And the edits are great, but you're like, man, that's just not how I remember it, right? Like it doesn't have all the all, – you can't possibly capture all the moments all along the way. No. Even like you're yeah, sitting up uh, on the top uh, or the side of a mountain glassing for like three days Yep. when it's a little too warm out. And, uh, like, it's hard to show how much that kind of blows in the moment, you know, and that's a huge part of those kind of types of hunts. Yep. Yep. And you could talk about it, but it's not the, it's not the same. So speaking of that, like, I know you guys transitioned from just doing podcasts now into, into filming and doing films. Like what was, what made you go into that avenue to start with? Like what, what was the push to finally do it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, a couple of things, like I've really always been drawn to kind of like a hunting story so like i said as a kid i'd read all the magazines and books and hunting stories about guys in africa or guys in alaska those are my favorite the alaskan ones um of guys just doing cool stuff and telling stories about it so i've always wanted to have uh, i wanted to tell stories more and so we've in a lot of our podcasts lately for example kind of moved towards storytelling more um and I thought, well, I want to, you know, I'd like to show the, the things that we do and I want to show people what I'm seeing, you know, this is so cool. And I, I want to advocate for it, and, mm-hmm. you know, show the importance of it. And so we had been thinking about that for a while um, and got in, uh, in touch with, like I said, a guy <clears throat> who's semi-local and he's not a hunter. He comes from an entirely different um, kind of area of video work and he had a new perspective on what a hunting film could look like and so i thought well like i really want to tell the story i want to tell a new story in a new way um, about the ways and the things that we're doing when we hunt and how we're doing it and everything else so brought him on um to to do some films like that so it was just kind of like a, a new way to tell a story we got pretty excited about that so what was the first one that you guys actually went and filmed? So we have one that we have a film that is finished and hasn't been released yet for Vortex. And that will be going live this spring. Um, and that was a, a, an Alaskan bear hunt uh, that we did based off fishing boats, um, kind of based a little bit on Homer right in that that area okay Um, and so that was yeah that was our first one and our second one we just finished filming uh this you know two weeks ago and we are kind of deep into editing right now so and that one's this this moose hunt that we did with wta well let's uh i've been kind of waiting to hear the story on this so i've got a bunch more (laughs) fair chase but you brought up the moose hunt so let's let's dig into it yeah sure let's let's get it how uh um it sounded like this was a last minute cancellation one. So you didn't have the normal, yep. normal time to prep and everything like that. But just like walk us through the whole, the whole process of once you realized that, yeah, you're going to pull the trigger on it and go up there and, and everything through it. Well, it's, it's funny because, uh, like I said, at the beginning, I, I mean, I grew up reading these like Alaskan, Northern Canadian, like hunting stories and like, Mooseless, like high on the list, obviously, you know, but as a kid, I'm like, man, I'll never do that. Obviously, that's never going to be something that I do. So, you know, it's cool to dream about, but there's no way that happens, you know, 
Um, and like, aside from, it's just, you know, to get there and all the travel and mm-hmm. figuring stuff out, all this stuff was, was difficult. But this year I had been planning to do actually uh, a buddy of mine, actually Joe, who's on our team, drew a, um, a, an elk, a bull elk tag in Montana. So I was like, well, I'll go with him. I'll uh, grab a cow tag, and, you know, probably shoot a cow uh, out, out, out in Montana. Um, and it was around the time of this moose hunt. So uh-huh. I see this cancellation hunt come up and I thought, well, I mean, that's not a huge adjustment to the gear that I've already started to pack. Uh, I'm in, you know, and so uh, spent a little while just, you know, getting kind of switching up my gear, getting ready for a little bit more like wet stuff, uh, you know, waders and things like that. And yeah, I was like quick turnaround, uh, made sure I could take time off and made sure everything was good at home with the family and, and just kind of took off and, and was gone for, for two weeks filming and, and hunting moose. So, and I saw, did I see somewhere that you actually drove over there? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, I never, never hunted. This is in British Columbia and, and I'm in Michigan. I never hunted in Canada specifically. And so like from Alaska, there are different ways you can kind of have your meat shipped home. Yep. These different kind of, right. Different shipping services, but British Columbia that, you know, across the borders doesn't have that. And mm-hmm. I, I'm like, well, you know, I want to do this, but I want to bring like, I want to bring as much of the moose home as possible myself. Like I want all the meat I can have in my freezer. Um, and so looked into a bunch of different ways and really didn't want to drive because it's like 46, seven hours from here. To get um, there? Yeah. Oh gosh. And yeah, it was, it was, but I'm like, man, I really want the meat. And you know, if we do that, we have our stuff with us and it makes fly, like flying's great, but it can be kind of stressful with firearms and cross borders and you know, whatever. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to do that. Um, I'm going to drive. So yeah, me and the cameraman, we basically switched every gas tank and drove from Michigan to British Columbia. And this is like Northwest British Columbia or Central West British mm-hmm. Columbia. It's, it's not far, like just on the map from Juneau, yep. uh, Alaska. And so, yeah, that's what we did. And you drove straight through no stops at hotels, just, Oh no, we stopped. Okay. I, you know, I'm not that guy anymore. Like at maybe college James would have driven straight through and, you know, slammed the energy drinks or whatever. But I'm like, no, every we'll drive, uh, you know, we spaced it out to, I guess it averaged like 15 or so hours a day, but first day you get like 10, second day you get 20 and 18 or whatever yeah, 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 yeah. it works out. Um, and stopped at night on the, ho- at the, uh, to, at hotels or, you know, slept on the side of the road. We, I, I just, I brought like a, like a two man tent pop up tent because I don't sleep well in cars. So I just throw that on the side of the road and the camera guy liked to sleep in the car. So he'd sleep in there, but yeah, we, we loaded up basically a, a pickup truck with a freezer in the back and a generator. And the idea was on the way back, as you drive, you run the generator to power the freezer. And then at night when you stop, you plug the freezer into a hotel. Okay. Uh, and so that's what we did. So did you, when you had your meat done up in BC, like skip it ahead over the whole hunt here, but I'm intrigued. So when, yeah, you, yeah. when you had your meat done up there, did you have it processed or did you just have it um, field cut then put in there to, to deal with it when you got back in Michigan? Yeah. Like when we, so at, we hauled the you know moose out of the field, we deboned it out there just as, as much as we could, just so we could carry more meat out. It was just swampy and heavy. Yeah. Yep. 
Um, and so I brought basically deboned quarters, neck meat, rib meat, you know, loins, tenderloins and stuff. And actually I couldn't even bring it all back. I couldn't even fit it all in the freezer I had, which is unbelievable actually how much meat comes off a moose. And so I left one back for my guide who is incorrect, like the best guide I've ever hunted with. Who was um, the guide you had? Yeah, a guy named Dawson. Oh yeah. I, I know, I know Dawson very well. He guided me on a, a stone sheep hunt uh last year with my dad i'll have i'll be with dawson again next year oh hilarious he's great i mean he's strong as a bull like he's not a huge looking guy but the amount of meat that that dude could carry out like it was no big thing and i'm struggling to keep up with him with a frame pack on you know and he's got like a a wet pack you know meat. like it was incredible but no great guy so i left him a shoulder and i felt like uh the the um the pilot who flew me out the last day it was a little bit of a dicey weather situation i feel like he, he for not killing me in the plane which i'm not a big plane guy mm-hmm. i was like well the other shoulder that i couldn't fit i, I threw him his uh his freezer so yeah no it's crazy so all right all right so you, you drove up there what was the town that you actually drove into we drove into i mean i guess telegraph creek Okay, so you uh, you drove right into yeah. where the where the cabin's at on the lake there that you flew flew out of. Yes. Okay. Yeah, we drove right in there. You park. Um, we by when we showed up, um, it was such a quick turnaround. Like we showed up, the plane was kind of already ready, and so I got out, grabbed my stuff, and they the guy that was your share there was one other guy in camp with us, and apparently he brought a lot of a lot of gear. So uh-huh. like when we showed up, they were ready to like start stripping. They're like, all right, we want to go through your gear to make sure you brought you know, the right amount of stuff. Yep. But I, like I said, I was kind of planning for like a backcountry elk hunt. So I like, I was, came in pretty light. So like, Oh sweet. You know, they throw it. So we were hardly, I was hardly there 10 minutes before I'm like loading up on the the plane. Um, and, um, and like headed out to, to our spot. So I assume John Seavers was there to, to greet you at the cabin, get you, yeah. get you Bob John, yeah. 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 Did you get a chance to talk yeah. with John when you were coming back out? No, he wasn't there when I okay. came out. Okay. He was there like the next day or something like that. So I didn't get too much time to to talk to John, but really nice guy. Um, like everything is made easy. The camp was nice. Like it was just a fantastic experience. Yeah, John is. Um, uh, he's he's been an outfitter for over forty years, and his dad was an outfitter before that. Like the stories that the stories he's got, he's got some sweet ones. <laughs> <laughs> those guys man they just like to live where they live and to do what they do it's like i was i was talking to to dawson about this like i'm like you just have probably you have very unique life like you have new the way that you know things go at your work is very different than you know most people's day to day jobs uh so it's, to, it's, say, it always to say the least yeah to say the least <laughs> And it's always so Dawson had this one. I literally I just recorded a podcast with Chris, with Chris B yesterday, and he was up mm, okay. uh, the same same spot. And he archery mounted mountain goat hunted earlier in the year and shot shot a mountain goat with his bow on day one. Right, like stupid luck. Yeah. Um, Dawson, <laughs> Dawson wasn't his guy, but we were talking and it got it got this going of leaving uh, like so called civilization, right? Because where you were moose hunting, you didn't have any signal, you didn't have any. I mean, you had nothing, right? Once that right. once that float plane drops you off. It's the silence and it's an inreach and, and so forth. Dawson was the one when we were up there with my dad, I think it was like day, day two or day three. Like he looked and he goes, you're finally here. And I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? 
He's like, finally, all the stresses that you've had in your life that you were dealing with until the second you lost cell phone service, you finally let him go because there's nothing you can do here. There's not, there's nothing you can send an injuries message, wait 40 minutes to get another one back. You can't, you can't do anything. You finally hit the point that you are here and your job is to survive. That is, and he goes, it varies for people when they hit the field It varies. Some guys get it day two, day six, but at some point in time along the trip, I see the difference of when they get here and the stresses of not even naturally. I check my phone every 15 minutes, right? Checking emails, checking texts, doing all the checking scores, whatever it is, checking, 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 living in the world, such a fast pace. And then you get out there and it slows everything down and it makes life so simple. It's just surviving. That's all it is. Just surviving. (laughs) And And it's true, right? That's why I love those to where you actually get away from a signal and all that stuff is because you finally... Like you relax your 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 mind and your soul of everything that you do on a daily basis. Yeah, the, the, like you, you, it's like a, a burden you walk around with, and you're not really aware of the weight of it mm-hmm. until you, you take it off for a minute, and you realize, oh, it was heavy. You know, it takes a lot of work to haul that thing around. It does, and it's man, it's it, but it, it's just that simple way of life of I've got to eat, I've got to get up in glass, I've got to. Make sure I'm warm when it when it's cold or dry when it rains yeah. and and you, like I find myself like I sleep crazy good up there. When oh yeah, when you're awake, oh, it's like it, there's no stress. Yeah, it's like um I'm thirsty right now. I guess I have to go to the creek and get some water. I you know it's yep. not like a, oh I'll just quick grab a drink of water. It's like well I gotta hike down you know to the clean creek and you know you gotta pull water out or I'm cold I uh, we're, I should probably chop some wood you know. That kind of stuff, like it's just um, very simple. Yep, exactly. So, all right. So you're in the in the plane heading heading to the field. Walk us through what camp was like and so forth. Yeah. So uh, I am not a big float plane guy or any plane guy. So like, I but you know what? Like it was just surprisingly on the way out. Like the the ride was smooth, and my pilot had been doing it for forever. So um, like comfortable. Um, so we land in this, this remote lake and you get out and, uh, uh, load up on, and that's where I met Dawson and Dawson loaded me up on this small kind of like tin, you know, uh, like a John boat, but with a, um, uh, jet motor, I guess, jet boat, um, prop effort. Yeah. Whatever they call it. Um, and basically you hop on that and you just cruise up this Creek to camp. Um, but I'm like, we get in this boat and he's just cr- like cruising up this this creek like tokyo drifting around corners you know i'm like what this is incredible like the first we even to get to camp i'm like this is wild like he's we're just way out there so you know of course we do that you get out on in the camp and you take four steps and you see oh there's um there's some wolf you know poop Uh right there Uh okay that's that's interesting. And then you walk a little farther and it's like, oh, there's where a, a grizz tipped over the top of a tree and just marked a spot, rubbed his hair on it. Okay. That's, you know, and then you get to camp, like, well, there's the grizzly bear, you know, poop right in the middle of camp. It's old. So I feel okay about that. And, uh, you know, basically what our camp consisted of was two wall tents and kind of like a covered, like, mess area where you could wash dishes and, and whatever else and had like a nice wood pile going and, you know, um, Dawson, uh, speaking of Dawson, had uh, taken that chainsaw mill and like made a giant picnic table that we used in the, one of the t- wall tents and made a bunch of furniture with it. It was incredibly handle- handy that dude with a chainsaw. Yeah. 
Um, and so it was just like a really nice camp. I mean, for being remote, obviously, uh, we had a creek about not even a quarter mile, mile from camp that had clean water. So you just go fill right up out of there. There was a, you know, a nice little, uh, you know, two hole or one holer, uh, up, up the hill a ways. And I don't know. It was like, it was perfect. It was like, you know, you talk about getting used to a spot and all of a sudden kind of relaxing. It's like, now that I think about it right now, it's like, that was pretty homey feeling for, uh-huh. for quite a while, you know? So get, got in, I assume rested that first night. Um, what, when Dawson went over the plan with you of how it was going to be like, walk us through. What, yeah. Cause you, you learned so much about that. Just that first time when he, when, when you go into somewhere like that and, and he gives you the 15, 20 minute of this is what we're going to try to do. This is what we've had success with in the past. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Yeah. So we were hitting right on the early stages of the moose rut there. So we knew the first days were going to be a little warmer uh, and likely did not have the moose, you know, really r- rutting too hard. So Dawson basically sat us down and was like, all right, the plan is we're going to every day take the boat up the creek, uh, you know, six miles or so, <clears throat> get up to a high point and, uh, and glass for a while, just see what the moose are doing and uh, kind of figure it out for a bit. Uh-huh. And so we're like, all right, you know, that sounds sweet. Uh, first day we, you know, we, we make our plan in camp. We get a few uh, grouse on the ground for some food and like, we're happy, you know, and getting ready so for, I, for day one. I never asked for you bow hunting or rifle hunting. Uh, rifle hunting. Okay. Rifle okay. Hunting. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So anyways, that was kind of, the, that was the plan going in where, you know, obviously the first night you're all excited and hardly sleep, but, um, Next morning, get up at, I think, like 4.30 or so, um, which wasn't too bad coming from East Coast time. Uh, and we, we got up and you basically hiked. It's like, I, I thought it was less than this, but I was told that it's like uh, probably three quarters of a mile to our where our other boats were, or our, where they moved the boats to so we could get kind of around this really rocky patch on the creek and okay. take it all up to our hunting spots. And yeah, we first couple of days, we go and take the, the boat up the creek and do that. Um, what was insane, though, is the first day you're going, you know, you're all excited, you're in the boat, and we're we're driving and cruising around all these curves in the the creek and we're i've never seen so many beavers first of all (laughs) yes in one area it was incredible you know dozens of beavers um but we come around a bend and right in the middle of the the creek is the bull just standing there first morning 20 minutes into our boat ride and i'm like first of all it was it was um probably low to mid 40 inch bull uh-huh. and i had told these guys i'm like i'm not in for a trophy i will <laughs> i will take the first like good representation i'm looking at dawson like you know i'm all you know amped up I'm like dawson you know what, what he, he hardly even reacts he's like that's not that's not the moose just, looking for. Like, just shook it off like it was like it was a cow moose just there yeah exactly it was like no 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 and so it was, what was so funny is this moose you know we he sees us and tries to take off and he goes to step in the creek and i think we got this on film i think jordan actually captured this but he steps in the creek and sinks really bad and just does a face plant right in the creek uh-huh. like face first splash huge splash in the creek and he wipes out gets up and you know scrambles and, and takes off so 
you know, day one started out like that was the only moose we saw that day. But it was like, holy cow! Like on the there's so many moose out here. They're in, just hanging around in the creek. Yep, you know? yep, yep, yep. So yeah, we. Uh, I'll just keep going. Yeah, we did that for a couple of days. We we get to a high spot um, and glass all day. Uh, like I said, warm for a while. Um, we ended up moving further down and getting higher up. Um, 800 to 1,000 kind of a foot climb, so we could see over a giant, sloppy, meadowy, you know, big area. Um, and then started to see, you know, little bulls, like one that had actually little paddles that weren't even outside of ears, uh-huh. type of little bulls. Rubbing, you know, starting to do a little bit of rotty things. You'd see medium-sized bulls. I saw a couple of those where they'd almost step out of the, you know, the timber and they would just like stand there dead still. Like they couldn't figure out, am I ready yet? Or uh-huh. am I, you know, am I not? And then they just kind of stand there and blink and just kind of stare for like 20 minutes. Like what is going on? So, um, yeah. So for the first couple of days, it was warm. We saw some movement. Didn't see any cows the first couple of days. I don't think just a bunch of small bulls. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. On the So once they would pop out, were they were they moving at all, or just kind of popping out, and then going right back in? Yeah, the little, very young ones were, you know, maybe the two year olds would be walking around, um, and we would, you know, we saw this this one that we saw a bunch where it had, you know, a night. It, it was actually a fairly wide moose, a paddle on one side and like like a claw on the other. Okay, um, just obviously not what we were looking for, but. He started to, like, as it got colder, as it got closer to this uh, front that pushed in, he started to move around a little bit more. Um, And on the final day when it was warm out, we see a nice shooter bull um, stick his head out, you know, and kind of comes out a little bit and just stands there, like I said, for a while. And we're we're looking at it like, man, it's warm, but and I don't think he's going to move. And I don't, and from up above, you think, oh, this bull is, you know, a thousand yards away. Yep. And it looks like he's in grass, right? In grass and some shrubs that maybe are going to be, you know, waist height for me. But you get down there and you are not only, first of all, you're walking in shin deep at the minimum water. Mm-hmm. And the grass that looked like it was like ankle or whatever, shin deep is like waist high, you know, and the brush that you thought was, waist high is actually like above your head so it's like you know there's just no way to really stalk in on you know and make a play on, on these bulls stepping out so we just opted to, to watch them for a while see what they did and see if you know we can call them in if you know if they were receptive which you know before uh, that cold front kind of moved in and they just weren't they weren't mm-hmm. really doing anything so it was, we opted just to not blow up the area you know stay back and, and just kind of watch it for a while I'm a believer in using the best, and that's exactly what Gunworks rifles are, the best on the market. If you want to sharpen your skills and ability, make sure to check out their long-range university. From the rifle build to the perfect shot, Gunworks is your partner in the pursuit of long-range perfection, 1,000 yards out of the box. I travel all over the world and into some of the most remote places known. For all my adventure trip insurance, it is a must and I trust Global Rescue to take care of me when it matters the most. When you book a trip with Worldwide Trophy Adventures, be sure to ask about Global Rescue trip insurance. 
They will be there when it matters the most. Worldwide Trophy Adventures is your ultimate outdoor connection. We all know that good hunting ground and great outfitters is becoming increasingly difficult to find. The only way to ensure access to the best area and outfitters is to spend a lot of time, money, and effort to research these destinations. Worldwide Trophy Adventures does this legwork for you at no charge. By booking your trip through WTA, you can rest assured that you'll be in a great location with a reputable outfitter that we have certified and endorsed. So if you're looking to book the trip of a lifetime, make sure to give the team at WTA a call at 1-800-755-8247 or check out their website at WorldwideTrophyAdventures.com. What, um, what kind of boots were you wearing? Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, <laughs> well, most the thing is, and I hated this, but I, most of the time I wore like, um, like, uh, I think they're, uh, Sims, I have like Sims waders, like Orvis waders. Yep. Uh, Did you like, wear the, the hip, hip height or, or, uh, chest chest? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I did chest high cause, and I'm so glad I did. I would never not do that with, with chest high waders. Cause I mean, you just are, you, whether you're hopping out of the boat cause you get jammed up on a log or something, or you're, you're trying to get out to a spot and like for a while it's above your, your hips, you know, the, the, the water or the yep. muck or whatever. It's just like, it's just not worth, this is not worth the weight savings, yep. you know? Yep. Um, and you basically live in them. And so I would either, I would sw- switch between those. And I have some Lathrop and Sons, like um, just mountaineering type style boots. Okay, so you'd switch like on the hike when you were going up. You'd switch out of the waders and put those boots on the hike up. And- well, that was when I would remember to take both pairs of boots because I would get up in the morning and I was like, okay, you know, I'm gonna get to this spot. We're hiking up a thousand feet. I'm not doing that in waders. I'm bringing boots. So one morning I remembered, and then pretty much every subsequent morning I just ended up doing it in waders, which is the worst. But the hardest part is that not the, the boots are pretty comfortable. And it's not like, I mean, you're just going up a hill and yep. you're, you're chilling there. So it's not like you're side hilling or anything, but uh, the hardest part was you can't lift your legs all the way up uh, with, I at least couldn't get my, it's not like I can raise my knee all the way up to climb, you you're know, restrained. Yep. You're taking baby steps yep. the whole way. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Okay. So you back, so, so you, and looking back at it now, right. You made the, made the right call and that pressure in that bull. It wasn't just right. So you yeah. backed out a little bit. So what happened from there? Yeah. So that night, all of a sudden, you know, well, the, first of all, the moon had been great all week. 
so a dark moon, you know, small moon. Yep. So, you know, it's great for limiting, you know, nighttime activity. And finally we had a front move in where you get back to camp at night and you're like, Oh wow, it's starting to get windy. Oh, you can feel the air changing a little bit. It's like, this is tomorrow is going to be just, the day. you know, it's yep. the temperatures. Yep. It's, it's going to be moosey, rainy, crappy weather, just exactly what you'd want uh, to see a moose and just shoot a moose. And it's like picturesque. It's like, man, you know, dust, like, Hey, this tomorrow looks good. Like we, we got to, you know, be ready. So we got out even earlier that day and, and got out to our glassing spot earlier. And so, what we would do is, this was a fairly high spot, but we would stop at different openings along the way up to see into, um, to see into different spots and just to see like, oh, is there something really close that we could just go right down and go after? So, you know, we go to spot number one, which is, you know, 300 feet up the, 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 the side of this mountain. And we'll, we're calling and stuff. Um, and, you know, we're looking and we see that little, bull with the little paddles cruising around and he was moving finally like cruising around i was like all right that's kind of cool <clears throat> i was sitting there watching him and all of a sudden i i catch just light off of a big you know paddle i'm like hey there's that there's that bull there's that big yeah. one that we had, had been watching it's like okay he's out he's he's not moving a ton but he's out in a spot where maybe we could cross the creek that we took into this spot we were on the other side of the creek um, we could follow like a side creek up and take, you know, basically weave our way in. Uh-huh. So, you know, we basically were like, all right, you know, I think they were more receptive to calls today. Let's just get in there. Let's make a play on them. This might be our, our day. It's rainy. We can get in quiet. <clears throat> so, uh, actually, I, I've not mentioned this so far, but this entire time we have a Jack Russell Terrier, Dawson's Jack Russell Terrier with us <laughs> the entire okay. time. Okay. His, name, his name's Woody. And so we've got Woody with us. I'm like, all right, let's bring Woody in. You know, Woody has just the background on his, you know, his staff so far. It's a 13, 16, 13 month old uh-huh. dog. He's already been on an ex- a successful goat hunt. He's baited a bunch of uh, black bears. He's chased away a grizzly bear. Um, you know, so this is like a hardcore little dog. This is the coolest part of camp, maybe. Uh-huh. Um, so we're, you know, every day we'd glass and he'd follow us and up and down the mountain. So we're like, all right, we got to get down. We see this moose. We're going to, this bull, we're going to make a play on. We got to make sure Woody's set, you know, and we're going to leave him by the boat. And so we do all this stuff. We take the boat across and, um, we start to make our way off this Creek and, and call kind of as we get closer where we had marked this bull. Um, what was funny though, on the way over is that little bull had heard us calling and, and was definitely responding and trying to figure out where the cows were coming from. Yep. Well, we didn't know it, but there was actually a cow in the timber fairly close by that I think it thought our noise was that cow. And so when, as we're moving up and calling, he takes off and he runs into the timber and starts pushing that cow around with another little bull. They're just dogging this cow. And so as we're sneaking in on these big bulls, these other moose are just cruising around by us, which was, like totally cool to see you know be kind of like almost like white tail like young buck pushing uh does around here in, in michigan uh and so we're, we're still moving and we're not hearing any of the response you know the grunt response that moose will get uh bulls will like let out when you're making cow calls like kind of move, making our way around uh, and we come around the corner of this brush and we see that that wide bull that i talked about 
fairly wide with the branch antlers on one side. And they're like, oh, he's right there. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's definitely hearing us, and he's respond like he's just, he's starting to grunt and like you, which is if you it, I I was dreaming of hearing that noise in the real life, and to hear it was incredible. Like, ooh, yep. you know, ooh. so. Um, he starts doing that and we're like, Oh man. Okay. Well, at the, at the very least, we're going to have a cool encounter with this bull. Well, we see behind him, uh, all of a sudden just the top of a paddle moving through the willows, uh-huh. like kind of in the mist, you know, the gray mist, you could just see, I that's like etched in my memory. This is, uh, the top of this paddle. So like, Holy cow. So they're like, you know, Doc looked back and he's like, the big one's coming out. So I'm like, holy cow. Here we nice. go. You know, here we go. Here we go. It's, they were about at a hundred yards at this point with close to these bulls. Um, and he steps out and he's straight on. Um, and actually I have a decent angle on him where I could shoot kind of, you know, into the front of his shoulder and out the other side, mm-hmm. kind of at an angle. I'm like, all right, I think I've got a shot. I got some brush in the way. So I'm kind of, jostling around and Dawson saying, Hey man, you know, when you have a chance, you got to shoot. And so I'm like, well, I want to wait. I don't want it to, I just would rather have a different shot if I, if I yep. have one. So as this is going on, the other little bulls calling back and you know, this big one that had finally stepped out with his neck all flared up and everything is kind of does like a little bit of a head fake. And I don't think it was actually getting antsy at all. But when I saw that, my mind is like, hey, he's, he's going, know, he's taking off. I, you know, don't mess around, man. If you get an opening, just take it and, uh, you know, just take it. You know, you can hit the shot. So finally, I get just a little bit to the side of the breast that was in front of his chest. And I shot and sure enough, went, went kind of through diagonally and he dropped, um, dropped oh, really? like straight down. Right there. Okay. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, so I pull off my hearing protection. and I'm like stunned. And it felt like this is. Five seconds. And in reality, look, I have the, a clip of it on my phone. In reality, it's like a second. But it's like, oh, I forgot to reload. And Dawson's like, throw another round in the chamber. I'm like, oh, yes. You know, I'm so stunned that this that had happened. Like, it just happened so fast. Uh-huh. So I throw another one in. And of course, he stands back up. He gets right back up. And I shoot again. And that time I hit a bunch of brush, you know, sent the bullet out and yep. he takes another step and I shot him. And, and that time he dropped for, for good. So he, he maybe moved tw- not even 20 yards from where we shot him and where he ended up. And was, that was it. That's so awesome. it was, it, yeah, it was, I mean, it was just kind of like, holy cow. I, it's like I said, it's, you're moving slow. It's taking a while. And all of a sudden you look and there's a bull right there and then he comes out and like days of waiting and searching and it just happens so fast, you know, just a quick, just over, uh, yep. just a quick experience, which, so I was, it was an awesome moment. Um, nothing will compare to shooting a moose and then w- walking up to it for the first time. And you get to see is, exactly how big they are. <clears throat> yeah. It's like, I'm like, this is like bigger than a horse. You know, this is an insanely large animal. What do you do now? What do I do now? You know, it's so big. Now is when the real work thing starts. Out of here? Yep. Now is when yeah. the real work starts. Exactly. No, that's yeah. awesome. So, through, through this time, um, like from camp, where was the other hunter from camp going? He was going, so he wasn't going quite as far up Creek and he was a little bit lower. Okay. Um, and actually, the funny thing about that is he shot his bull the same morning within an hour of me shooting mine. Just so that. to say that 
yeah, to say that that like weather turned him on was like very accurate. Like that weather got him going. Um, and so he shot a beautiful, beautiful bull too. That's awesome. The same morning. That was, that was it. Just biding your time. What day of the trip was that? Tape day five of the hunt, day six of the trip. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Which is kind of ideal because you don't want to shoot him day one and have, you know, the whole Chris B thing where he just, you know, Chris randomly goes out and just magically shoots, you know, yep. deer for uh, whatever day one. You, yep. know, you want a little suffering. And, uh, it's always just perfect. Uh, yeah, we, we, we shot him and actually the other guy had uh, called his in. His was swimming. He goes, he goes to his guy. He's like, "Hey, look, there's a moose in that pod." And the, the, his guide's like, "Wait, what?" You know, trying to figure. Yeah. Out, and sure enough, like a moose with just his mouth and his antlers sticking up above the water, swimming. And they call to him, and he does a ninety degree turn from where he was swimming to come right in at him, raking brush and doing the whole thing. So they had they had a pretty cool show too for theirs. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally cool. It just. You know, to to be, you know, we, we shoot this uh, bull and it's like, it seems like within 10 minutes we get a message from them that they shot one. And like the fact that we're, the guy that we're here in camp with shot one and we shot one the same day. It was just like a, an awesome day. Just a very cool thing to, to kind of experience together. That is. So, okay. So you get all the pics and the video and, and that stuff. Like now walk yeah. through the whole processing of the animal. Cause I assume he's laying in, in somewhat water, right? Yeah, ours was not too bad. It was not even ankle deep water where we got, or maybe, maybe, you know, it was pretty good. Um, and so, yeah, the, Dawson was happy that we jumped into health. Apparently, not everybody cuts and, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, butchers in a, the field. Yep, not everybody. <laughs> and so we're, we were, I love to do it. Uh, so we jumped right in and I, you know, worked, I spent a lot of time in the head, which, took a long time out there and you know quartering them up and the moose all the that, moose nose is tricky i can say that the moose is? nose is tricky you don't think it's going to be that that tricky but the, it's so big right so big it's so much material in that nose you know so much cartilage or whatever it just is so weird yeah so all right so you got you were taking care of the head did you get the whole thing out that day no, no, we, uh, <clears throat> the first day we got, um, a, like a, pro probably, like probably uh, 175 pounds out, maybe like one trip okay. between Dawson and I. And so I had my frame, I had my Kafar like frame tag and had, you know, 70, 80 pounds in there or whatever it was. And he, <laughs> he had this like big dry bag backpack. That he threw probably 60 pounds in and the head of the, and then he took the whole head that I kind of skimmed out out there uh -huh. and threw it over his shoulder. I'm like, dude, like. It made, made, I, made you just, feel real good about yourself. I'm like, I, I, this is what a man is. You yeah. know, I don't know what I am, but I'm not that, you know. And so he, he throws it over his shoulder like it's nothing and he's hauling through the swamp. Because not only is there weight, but it's like you're just walking through, you know, at first it was not too too deep where we shot it but the walk back was through a creek and yep. through a real deep swamp and i a couple of times i'm like i fell and it's like i can hardly get up yep. so it's like every time you try to get up you sink into the muck more yep. you know so it was we got one trip out that day uh and then ate it that night obviously as yep. one does and then the next day finished finished getting everything back into 
back yeah, in camp. Next day, yeah, I'm getting everything back in camp and, you know, working on that, that skull to get it clean for, for crossing the border. Yeah. So did you, and then from there with both, both guys down, I assume the other hunter in camp was doing the same thing, got the rest of the moose in the, the next day. Yeah. How, how long were you back? How long were you there in camp after you guys had tagged out before you got flown out? Oh uh, yeah. Well, like okay, one thing about that guys is it died kind of in the water. Uh-huh. <laughs> so like to like, it was probably, I don't know, at least maybe waist deep water where it died. Oh, uh, oh. It was bad. It was oh. bad. Like oh. it was like I was almost like, what are you? What are you actually going to do to get them out? Because to get a moose out of that deep, it was it was a disaster. But you know what? Their guide, he was great. He did great. But yeah, we were in three more days, four more, three or four more days. I think I got out. Uh, I got out on the ninth day. We were trying to get out on the eighth day. I think that's how it we were trying to get out one day earlier than we did. Um, but the weather was too bad. Yeah. Um, and then the day that we did get out was like kind of dicey. Like, should we, you know, it was right on the edge of not going that day too, but I'm glad we did. Cause otherwise we'd have been stuck there for a couple more days. They had one of those atmospheric rivers or something coming through, which I don't know what that is. Sounds like a lot of rain, you know? Sounds yeah. Bad. It sounds like it's going to be really, really <laughs> wet for a long time. Yeah, exactly. So it was good. We got out of there a couple days after, um, shooting the, the bowl which is nice you know you have time to to clear you know clean out like i said i'm driving back with even the, the, the skull i did i'm doing a euro mount on mine and uh so i'm, I'm trying to clean it out because i've never crossed the border with the skull or anything like that uh-huh. um and yeah we got to like chop wood and just hang out read that kind of thing live, live and dream live. about all the mountain goats that we were seeing or were you seeing a bunch of goats from there oh from camp, you we, you would see you know constantly at least a group of six or different you know all across the mountain. So yeah, lots of goats there. We got big plans for what we could do for a goat film at some point too. Now that we, now that George's been looking at them for a couple days and dreaming. So yeah, no, that's awesome. All right, so getting getting it back. How easy was it to cross the border? Uh, so I've never I've never driven across the border um, with with a trophy from Canada to us. So I, I, I've actually never, one of those things I've never experienced yeah. before. Well, so first I had to do a compulsory inspection. I'll say this, John Severs, not, he did not want me to drive. He was nervous about it. Very nervous about me getting this across. And I'm like, huh, I've got some, I got, I had a friend that did it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And he, he mentioned it's not that bad. I'm like, okay. So, you know, um, I had to do, first get a customary uh, compulsory inspection in British Columbia, which took 10 minutes. You just have to call ahead and schedule it. So okay. I'm going to drive out. I scheduled in Smithers, a town I was driving through. Um, and then I got to the border. And I don't think I needed to do this, but right on the Canadian side of the border, we were driving down through Saskatchewan into North Dakota. There was a check station there. Okay. And I was like, well, I thought it was maybe the U.S. Fish and Wild. I don't know what it was. So I was like, I'll stop there and have them check too. And that was Saskatchewan's DNR. <laughs> and they're like, they had never, they didn't know. I, I'm pretty sure I didn't need to stop, but I, I had them check it out too. And yeah. that was the whole thing. So they're like, we've never checked a British Columbia booth before. But it probably you know, got, so probably got like, them excited because it was something new. So they're like, absolutely, we'll take a look at it. That's exactly right. And they're like, this is the biggest moose we've seen. I'm like, well, yeah, there's there's a lot different moose in Saskatchewan than there are in British Columbia, I would yep. imagine. But yep. uh, anyway, so we did that, and 
we get to the, the border and you know the guy's like all right you know what are you doing? I'm like, hey, I'm here. And I, I blurred out everything. I'm like, I was hunting and, you know. <laughs> He's just uh, waiting, waiting, way to keep it like, under well, control. Just, I was, I was, I did it. I did it. Yeah. It's like trying to get all the information out. He's like, oh, no, you know, I got to get to that question. You know, it's like, so are you declaring anything? I'm like, yeah, a firearm and a bunch of moose, you know. Yep. He's like, all right, you know, come around. And basically, I filled out a form. I went into the office, filled out a form, and that was it. Like, they didn't look at any of my stuff. They didn't do anything. I think you, uh, you probably crossed at a good border crossing too. I think Portal Portal North Dakota is where it is for anybody listening. That worked well for me. Uh-huh. It was super easy. I, I'm guessing it's a little different going through the Detroit. Yeah. Uh, the Detroit one. I'm guessing. <laughs> so, you pro- I'm guessing you probably get pulled to the side for a few more questions. I would think so. Yeah, yeah I, and it was funny because the guy was ahead of us with a boat, a fishing boat, and they were taking his wheels off and doing the whole thing. So. Uh, off this his trailer so i think uh i think i had it easy but yeah it was easy we got through and they said if i filled out anything incorrectly in the form they'd let me know and so i haven't heard anything yet but it's you know the wheels of the u.s government are are slow to turn so maybe in six months i'll get a phone call i, I kept all my papers just in case no oh, that's perfect i'm happy to hear it was that easy to cross too yeah oh. yeah easy enough and like I said, with on the way back, it was run the generator as we're driving, and uh, plug in the freezer at, on on the sides of hotels when we stop. And everything I got back with was frozen solid. Um, and basically that next week I spent, I think right around twenty hours just butchering them in my garage myself. So <laughs> just around twenty hours of butchering. <laughs> it was at 20 hours and one, only one trip to the emergency room oh boy got, your, got yourself <laughs> in my, the hand not me my brother-in-law has been taking this kind of like one of the duller knives and trying to cut through the backdrop that was kind of frozen still uh-huh. and so he's putting all his weight on it and the blade's kind of facing him away and he like falls kind of on the knife and splits his hand open like oh. it looks he, he's he passes out thinking about needles right so uh-huh. he's like james i can't look at it how does my hand look <laughs> so i'm like let me see so i turn away don't look i'll look you know he shows me and it his hand, he looked like he had burger like hamburger oh. just i'm pretty sure if i pulled it apart i could see bone in there i was oh. nasty. so i'm like all right we're just gonna take a slow drive we're just gonna head to the um emergency room it's not just... a big deal you know i don't please so don't pass out so we throw him in the car we drive this is like 10 10 30 at night and the closest one otherwise we're, we're headed to the emergency room and hospital we find a, a, a whatchamacallit place that's open till 11 uh-huh. like okay we'll get him there so send him in he comes out white as a sheet he only had passed out when he's getting stitches so like the doctor's like he can't drive himself home you're gonna have to drive my like, crap okay so we get down the road 30 seconds and he's i'm trying to distract him he looks He's not only pale, but he's in a full flop sweat. <laughs> oh boy, he's going out. Wet. He's going out. He's going out. Oh crap, it's gonna happen again. I don't know. And all of a sudden he's like, You pull over the car right now, I gotta throw up. And so he stumbles out of the car and is just puking on the side of the road. I'm in the middle of the road. I didn't even have time to stop on the side of the road. I'm like, This is, is this college all over again? <laughs> like what what is this? It's, you know. So we you know, despite that, we got the moose cut up, and uh, he's all in the freezer. We've been eating them all week already. So that's awesome. Sweet. How is it? 
Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's very mild, very mild meat. Oh, that's awesome. Nice and fatty, not too gamey. I, I don't mind the gamey, but I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I don't know if I don't taste it or what, but maybe my, my palate's not refined enough. Uh, but I, I feel like it's very beef like. Yeah. That is moose. I mean, moose meat's great. Caribou meat's great. Like all that, all that stuff up there is yeah. so good. Yeah. And it's helped because they weren't in the middle of the rut, right? Like you literally, it sounds like you guys caught them on the first day that they were really yeah. getting up and going. And I don't even know that this big one was really that rutted up. It was seeing the, because the other one was calling back to us, I think it got him more like, what, what, what the heck? What, what is going on? Oh, yeah. I can't. I'm, yeah. I'm, the, I'm the big guy here. You can't be, can't be doing this. Exactly. Yeah. He, so he came out next hole, and right after, actually, it's funny you say that. When I shot him, Dawson's like, "I think we were about to see if I would have waited some serious like bull action in front of us because they were starting to kind of come together a little bit." But like I said, I'm not. I'm like, I'm not messing around. First shot I get, like, you know, not taking any chances. That's so, that's the same yeah, way. That's, out. that's the same way I am. There's no need to, no reason to risk it if you don't have to. No, don't risk it. I mean, it would have been even not for the show. You know, I I, yep. the, I I wanted to get into stuff. Yeah, it worked out great. It worked so, out great. So how did this? So you spent years of thinking about a moose hunt. Like, how did this live up yeah. to your expectations? I honestly, and I'm not just saying this. It is exactly what I had hoped for my entire life. The way a moose trip would go. That's awesome. It had, it had like the you know days of working at it, whether it's you know hiking up or waiting. You know, it had the that crappy rainy day that you you know where it's, it's not raining hard it's just but it's raining pretty good you know uh we're, we're gray at the, day and you're in, at yeah the, at the time you're questioning what you're doing when you when yeah you're like going. why i'm all the yep. way out here like is this are we gonna blow this i, I was thinking that i'm like are we going too hard at it we just blown off this area you know it's in a swamp you get into a calling situation with a bull moose he comes right in and it's and it was a hundred yards, but when they're so big, it feels like it's like a 20 yard situation, yep. you know, it's like they feel close. And so it's like, I'm shooting off of a, you know, a tripod or a, a bipod little shooting stick in the swamp. It, it could not have been more picturesque, even like seeing him lay there with the misty mountains in the background. It was, like I said, it literally hit every expectation, every hope I had for a moose. And he's a, just a beautiful, like representation of what, a Canadian moose, you know, the Canadian subspecies of moose yep. is and like should look like. That's awesome. That, that, that is awesome. I love hearing good stories like that. Uh, anybody that's listening, he was, he, uh, James was hunting with, uh, um, BC extreme adventures up there. Uh, John Seavers Dawson's obviously the head guide. He's, he's the one I hunted with a couple years ago for stone sheep heading back again next year. Um, you're looking for world-class Canadian moose hunts, mountain goat hunts, same spot. Chris B went for his mountain goat hunt and stone sheep. Um, I mean, they don't, they don't post many pictures of their client success, but they took some absolute hammers this year of stone sheep. And anybody that hasn't hunted British Columbia, if you get a chance, you just got to go experience it. It's, it's one of those special places. Well, and I'll just say, I got uh, Dawson's in reach number. And so I was like dying to know when we got on, I'm like, the weather's going to be good again. Like, I want to know how you do. So I'm like, text me when you like, give me an update. Mm-hmm. And so they, uh, they, well, they're, they're a nice two guys in that camp tagged out. I think one was day one, one was day three. And so they, you know, they're the, the second camp tagged out. Too. Yep. So like the, 
the place even Dawson was saying where we're at there is like the most ideal moose habitat he's ever ever seen it's truthfully it's ridiculous the, the bulls that they take out of there too but that's just that's it's just like anything right you're hunting whitetails in the rut here you got three and a half weeks and that's that's what they got there you can get bulls before but as soon as that rut kicks on and especially yeah. that, it sounds like that second the second group of hunters that went in there the bulls are just up and moving right you're not grinding up on yeah the, on the ridge you see one and you know when you see it all you got to do is get in close and start calling and it's gonna it's gonna come right in your lap <laughs> yeah so, so yeah. awesome but now that's a, and also another thing, you never can time the rut how you think you can, right? Usually, <laughs> usually it would have been rocking and rolling that first week, but a week late, you still got to experience it right at the end. That's awesome. So when, yeah, exactly. When, so the, this, this video is going to go on WTA's YouTube page. Um, everybody that's listening, yeah. when, when can they expect to see this? <clears throat> it sounds like sometime in November, early November, I think November. Okay. Uh, so it'll be soon, very soon. Like Jordan's turning around this uh, film pretty quick, and like I said, he's he's not a he he, does, he doesn't come from a hunting media background at all. Okay. And so he's he's got a, a very cool approach to he's pulling ideas from like mountaineering uh, films he's seen and and things like that. So it's it's a very it's a very different look. So I'll be interested to see just what everybody thinks. Um, like I said, trying to do something a little bit new, but really cool and touch all just a good story so yeah like i said excited to hear what people think about it well i'm excited to see it so there's nothing nothing like a big moose hunt that that you get to capture on film yeah for sure so the the kill shot was epic too i'll say that it it turned out pretty cool that's awesome so what other what other films do you guys have in in the in the works uh well we're talking about we're we're working on planning kind of what 2024 will look like so we've got some ideas uh around maybe a brown bear hunt uh and uh talking about maybe some sort of elk like a I don't know when we'll do it we've got this kind of cool idea for a, a sheep hunt uh or a goat hunt I should say um that we are have we're talking about all week when we were uh, in Canada okay in British Columbia hunt moose so we yeah we've got some ideas we're it's just kind of, you know, they're just kind of percolating right now. All right. So. If I had to ask, what are your top three bucket list hunts to do right now? Top three? Oh, well, actually, it wasn't goats, but now it is goats. <laughs> they uh, talked you into it after seeing them for so long? Yeah, you just keep looking at them like, man, that's a cool animal. That is awesome you yep. know, and unique. So goat would be up there. Definitely brown bear is, is on that list. Um. And I don't know, maybe, in, I don't know what that third one would be. Anything really, anything that I've not shot is kind of fills up. Yeah, I, it, it circulates based on what cool, cool video or picture I saw. It's like, oh, I want to do that, you yep. know? So I've not shot, I've never shot a mule deer. Actually, okay. So I would, mule deer is definitely high on there. Um, just more black, a, a nice big pumpkin headed black bear. I like those. Even mm-hmm. though I've shot them, I just like black bears. So maybe that. So any any uh, good deer on the cameras here in Michigan? Yeah, um, this year, last year I had a ton of really good deer on camera. My spots are all public land here in Michigan, um, and so this I guess is how it goes. It can kind of go highs and lows. I've got some decent ones showing up, like definitely ones I would shoot. Uh, and so it's just I, you know I've got one that's 
kind of in the middle of a swamp. It's kind of a pain to get to, but it's got like, there's like 20 deer that go by it a day. So, and some good bucks in there. So yeah, I've got some, some decent spots here in different areas in West Michigan. I, I probably won't, shouldn't give too don't, many more don't, details don't, don't, give, don't give too much more than that. <laughs> but, well, let's just say my range goes from Indiana to the UP. There you go. Somewhere Some, in there. Somewhere in between on the east side of the state. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just keep throwing keep throwing off. You don't want to get too close. Yeah. No, that's exactly it. Exactly. So, I made that mistake before, and I've had people write in like, oh, are you hunting an X? Or I've even had it where people are like, I saw you on my shoes. This is a, they send me a picture of me on their trail camera on public land. Uh, so I was like, crap, you know, jigs up on that spot. Yep. Yeah, no, I I get it. Not a, so, uh, especially when it comes to deer hunting, right? Where were you at? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. and you, you start with like a vague answer, right? Like I'm in West Michigan. Yeah, but what county? You're like, okay, I'll answer that. <laughs> what were you over here? I'm like, no, that's that's too much. All right, it's too much. <laughs> too much. Too much. We crossed the line. I was just over here. We're trying to be nice. I'm not exactly telling you where I hunt. Yeah, and sometimes you just gotta lie. You gotta yeah. be like, you know what? I was in northern Wisconsin. Yeah. Actually, you know. <laughs> that's where you just that's where yeah. you just drop the pen in your buddy's house and just be like i was right here and if you show yeah, up the there just let him know <laughs> let him know that mark said it's okay he doesn't have a lot of land but he doesn't have a few apple trees in his backyard yep. that's really where you want to be you want to focus i usually like to get right next on the back deck there he's got a chair that's where i usually <laughs> just get right yeah in you there. hide behind it <laughs> well that's yeah. awesome well perfect let's as as uh as we go through the season here in Michigan, I'd love to hop over on on your podcast and so forth. Being yeah. so being so close, um, once I'm through with my crazy travel schedule, maybe we can arrange that I can get down there. We can do it in person. We would. I would love to do it in person. I'd love to get a few going with you. Uh, you, of, of all people, have spent a lot of time in a lot of cool spots. Which you know, like I was saying about Dawson, when you do that, you build up a nice cache of stories to tell. So. Yep gonna need to pick your brain on some stories and, and hear hear about your adventures like like you said what you're going you're gonna be gone till like middle of november this year yep, yep. Right? i'm going on a it's a it's a pretty pretty grueling streak but anybody that that follows me knows i i coach girls basketball now um covid covid made me change i've been fully invested in doing that with my youngest daughter as any father will realize time goes quick it won't be much longer until all my kids are out yeah. of the house. I, w- I wouldn't like, I still think of myself as a young 30 year old, just getting into the industry. Right. Well, that's, that's been almost 11 years ago now. And all my kids are 11 years older. I've got one at one at university of Michigan, go blue. And, um, one that's a junior or one that's a sophomore and then an eighth grader. And I can tell you what, it's going to go quick and they'll all be out of the house. So adjusted, adjusted awesome. my schedule. But what that means is, is in the fall, it is, it is go time before basketball season comes. So I've got, a, it's just a grueling stretch of about five weeks on the road out of six. So I've spot home for a day here, literally 18 hours here and then two days. And then that's about it bouncing between. But, yeah. I mean, but you're getting in some pretty uh, epic places and doing some pretty it, amazing things. So it is, it's, I, I truthfully, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Right. Like I, I love new experiences like anybody asked me what my favorite like i just got asked yesterday what's your, what's your favorite one you you, you like to do what, what's your favorite spot to go and i'm like whatever the next one is that's that's what that's whatever <laughs> it is way. whatever whatever the next one is i black bear hunted a lot i love it waterfall hunted in yeah. saskatchewan a lot i love it i've woodcock hunted here and right in my backyard i love it like i, I <laughs> even whitetail hunting here in michigan like everybody's like why do you still hunt whitetail here i'm like are you kidding me 
I've been counting whitetails here since I was little. I, I've, yeah. I set my schedule. I'm never gone on November 15th because I haven't missed an opening day of rifle season with my family since I was, I think, three. So I'm literally going on 37 years now straight of November 15th. You know exactly where <laughs> to find me. And I'm, I'm not going to change that for anything. No, no I, I think actually, you know, when you even talk about your bucket and your top three animals, like I want to shoot a uh, Michigan public land buck. That should actually be my number third. Because uh, when you shoot them, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. You know, it's, it's like shooting it in your homeland and your home space is just special. So I can, I can believe that for sure. Yep. Yep. Well, that's perfect. Thanks for your time today, James. We'll, uh, once, once I get done with this grueling stretch, I'll connect and I'll get down there to Grand Rapids and, and we can get to recording a couple. Sweet. That sounds awesome. Perfect. Looking forward to seeing that film too. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm excited to show everybody. Thanks for all your support and downloads. If you like this episode, please go and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts as that always helps. Do you want to book that hunt of a lifetime? Then give the team at Worldwide Trophy Adventures a call at 1-800-346-8747. Or if you want to start a tags portfolio for those limited entry tags, call 1-800-755-8247. Enjoy your journey.